This is Going Hokey with George Bresnahan. Yesterday was All Saints Day, so I thought I'd tell an, another St. Francis story. Francis, as, as a child, was raised by a French mother and an Italian daddy who was obsessed with money, making money, and Francis probably didn't get the attention that he needed from his dad and thus um, developed a negative uh, perception of, of money in, in his life. He used money in his early adulthood <clears throat> to party. He was a joyous man and, and he knew no other way at the time than to get together with his friends at night and have dinner and drink and carouse with their friends, the young women. And Assisi wasn't a big place, and, and so he was known as uh, Francesco the Bernardoni's son and, and the, the, uh, the merrymaker. And he also had a sense of honor. Uh, he was attracted to the 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 knighthood, the the soldiers who go off to war in some gallant cause and uh, defend what is good. And he actually went off to war. We don't know just what he did. You know, if he killed people or not. We know that he was captured along with a handful of others, and they were kept as prisoners of war for a year, but that he um, made it through that experience better than most uh, mentally, psychologically. And he returned and he went out in the countryside to a an abandoned chapel, Dominican, I believe, in ruins, an old chapel. No, it must be Augustinian because Dominic was his peer. And Jesus said to him, repair my church. As you can see, it's in ruins. And he thought that Jesus meant to, to rebuild that uh, temple. But he, he went through a, a conversion experience at that point. And he, he knew that he was going to, to follow Jesus, that he had discovered Jesus and he was going to follow him wholeheartedly and that kind of passion that that complete commitment is what has made francis young and fresh as the new grass 800 years later he, he doesn't get old uh, he went into two days of mourning for his sins uh, and then he came out of those two days out in the countryside here he was a sickly man, uh, thin and weak, but he had a s stronger resolve than than the limitations of his body, and he would sleep on the on the ground in in caves outside of Assisi. So after those two days of of mourning, he came into Assisi, and he went into, I think their their biggest church, and he began to to preach 
to the to his uh, fellow residents, and they they soaked it up. They took it all in. They appreciated it, and that's what I want to focus on. Imagine that first sharing when when his conversion was was new, oh. and and they listened to him and they knew who he was. They saw him drinking and merrymaking and carousing late at night. They could hear him. He, he didn't let them sleep. But there they were listening to him because his conversion was so pure. It was so heartfelt. And, you know, nowadays when we can record things, in audio and video, or at least uh, someone write, writes down what someone said, it seems strange that we don't have that first sermon, but we, we don't. They say that, uh, that books written about Francis, written during his lifetime, are buried somewhere in Italy. Uh, Italians actually persecuted Francis's followers after he died. I guess the, the purity of commitment can be threatening to authorities. Um, but they they know, don't they? They know that um, there's more than than life in this body, and uh, it's something they can't deny. So, what did Francis say? Here we go into imagination. He loved nature, but uh, he went. Uh, after that sermon, he went out to the countryside and he uh, visited a priest in his church. And the the gospel that day was about uh, God clothing you, God uh, clothing Solomon and clothing the birds. And in other words, God will take care of you. And he never touched money again for the rest of his life. But back to that sermon. Surely he said something good about nature, but it was about uh, intention, right? It was about intention. Uh, th there was one incident a few years later when he and his uh, handful, of, handful of local followers had... Um, established a, a monastery of sorts outside of Assisi. And as God had promised, he had thousands, five or six, seven thousand um, followers of friars, if you will, uh, working with people in France and Germany, around Italy. I don't know if Spain. And he called a, a Congress and they came. And Dominic and a cardinal came from Rome. And Dominic and the cardinal are spectators watching this prayer session where all 5,000 friars are praying with Francis. And Dominic and the cardinal realize that Francis has made no provision for, for feeding them. And they anticipate a, a disaster 
on their hands shortly. When all of a sudden, um, people from Assisi show up with uh, oxes pulling carts filled with meat already cooked and plates and forks and knives and wine in decanters and and I don't know if they guess brought 5,000 cups, but it, they had it all worked out. Francis had made no arrangements with them. It just happened. Also, one time, um, the people of Assisi came, some of them came with ox and carts and big containers filled with water because from a distance, they could see that the monastery was on fire. So they get there and they find that the monastery is not on fire, but they weren't hallucinating. Uh, Francis had a visit from Claire, his follower. Um, Francis had a weak spot for women and Claire um, was very special to him. He, so he, since he had made this commitment to Jesus and the church, to, to of celibacy and he just avoided Claire but everyone around him was encouraging him on a regular basis to get together with Claire just to just to meet so he finally did and Claire and a, a follower of hers came over to the monastery and and they just jumped into prayer about five of them and that's why there were flames out up on the roof of this um, monastery, but it wasn't consuming the building. Yes. So let's imagine this, this sermon at two days after his conversion in the big church in, in Assisi, appealing to the people to, to love, to forgive, to simplify, to share, to appreciate, right? That that was the appeal of his of his sermon was that he was incredibly present at that moment to the moment. And uh, incredibly appreciative of of the essence of life. So I'm sure he distinguished between what was real and what wasn't, what was important and what wasn't. And that's the purpose. That's the value of a sermon, isn't it? To to remind us of of what is important and what isn't. The Course in Miracles approaches it as in what is real and what isn't. What 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 appears to exist but doesn't exist. Along the lines of Anita Morjani with her 24 tumors, that she went to, she died and went up to the gates of heaven and looked back and, and found out that illness doesn't exist. And so she crawled back into her body and uh, the tumors dissolved in, in a couple days because she had a shift in awareness. She knew that 
illness doesn't exist, so those tumors don't exist. She could touch those tumors. Those tumors had killed her, sapped the life out of her body. But she knew now that they didn't exist. And that awareness create, changed you know, her energy, and the energy uh, dissolved the tumors, or the awareness, yeah, I guess the, the awareness of the truth dissolved the tumors. Which is funny, huh? Does to dissolve something, it has to be there in the first place. But the awareness was that they don't exist. It all, A Course in Miracles also talks about darkness and light. When when darkness uh, is there, but well, it when light enters a dark a dark room, it it lights up the room, but it also reveals that darkness doesn't exist. So, all right, we can just uh, gently wrestle with that uh, over time. All right, but it's we're after a shift in awareness of what is true because that's what brings peace. Is finding out that not only are we free, but we always were free. That only good exists. You know that that's um. That's new, you know, for, for me. And when you find that out, your awareness is changed, and, and that uh, changes things. So A Course in Miracles says, not only are you free, but you find out that you always were free. So I think that applies to other areas of life. Not only you find out not only are you great, but that you always were that you not only are powerful, but you always were powerful. So you're not becoming powerful. You're finding out that you are powerful. See, there, so it's it's not a belief, it's a knowing. Right, Jung, Jung said, no, I don't believe, I know. And that's a, a little different. But uh, let's just, however strong or weak our faith is, our knowing is at any given time. Just remind yourself of these truths that you are perfect, you are sufficient, you have arrived. Uh, you are enough, you're set, um, you're good. And that uh, that's how God sees you and there will be a lot of big smiles waiting for you. Thank you.